When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Wednesday episode, folks, and what an episode it is. How the heck is everybody doing out there? I hope you are doing good. If you are listening to this today, Wednesday, you've made it halfway through the week, so the week is almost done. You did it. The hard part is over, and the weekend is so close, so Hopefully, you can just enjoy this show and think about the weekend in front of you, even though we do have two more days. But we can get through that. It's not a problem. It's so, so easy. But you guys are good? Okay, good. I just got back into town, uh, was in Ohio, and, you know, sad to to leave my grandma and, and uh, dad, and dad's out there for another day. And I got to say, really great news. My sister applied for grad school. She's always been a nurse, but she... Um, uh, applied for like this really cool grad program for nursing at ASU and they only accept like so many people and we got word today that she got in she was accepted and how amazing is that I'm so happy for her I'm so excited for her and we were texting uh, while I was on the plane and you know she the only thing she was like oh I, I wish I could tell mom and I was like she does she knows she knows she would be so proud I'm so happy for her and it was really it was a nice trip. It was a really nice trip with, uh, with my family. And, uh, it was great. It was, it was really, it was really good, really good. So, but anyways, enough of that stuff. I hope you guys are good. Uh, I'm going to be on Jeff Lewis after show today on radio. Andy, they moved his after show to channel one Oh two on Sirius XM. I'll be on there with Jamie Kennedy today at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, if anybody wants to call in and chat. Um, so I'm really excited to do that in the morning. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back and, and get everything going. I watched Vanderpump Rules. Oh man, what, what a mess of a season already. And we'll talk about that, do a full recap on Thursday, and then Friday we'll do the recap of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then I got another Patreon episode I'm doing. So everything is chugging along. So let us get to today's guest. Now, today's guest, I am just, you know, if you guys don't know, there is a show that I am in love with called Welcome to Plathville on TLC. They have five seasons out so far, 
And this past season was so intense. But to me, Welcome to Plathville, it's very different, obviously, than Bravo or Netflix reality, or even a lot of the reality on TLC. I mean, this is this is real. I mean, the concept of this show was that there is this family called the Plaths, and how TLC describes them, a blonde, blue-eyed family of 11 in southeastern Georgia. They share a passion for music, religion, family life, and traditional roles. Traditional roles. Oh, my God. Uh, they might want to try to maybe dabble in some untraditional roles, but it has been intense. If you followed their journey, each season has gotten a little darker. Um, and you'll see, uh, you know, some of the kids as they've gotten away from the family, they now this past season have come back to the family, even though Mama Plath seems to be on a, uh, a little bit of a journey of her own. If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about, but I highly recommend this show. I just think it is fascinating. But today, there is a cast member that I most wanted to talk to, and I got to talk to her uh, a little bit over a week ago. Uh, it's Olivia Marie Plath, and I just think she is amazing. Uh, I really, uh, she's much younger than I am, but I really look up to her. She's constantly uh, kind of. <laughs> discovering herself and, and making some really brave and bold choices that are going to be so positive for her life. And I can't wait to continue to follow her life on season six of Welcome to Plathville, which we even talk about in this interview, because yes, she is doing season six of Welcome to Plathville, even though um, she you know did get a divorce from Ethan. Uh, we talk all about all of this stuff. And I got to tell you, this was just a really fabulous conversation. Uh, obviously, I was really nervous for it because I, I just really was looking forward to this. And I think it went really good. Let me know what you guys think and let her know if you if you like this as well. I, I want to get her back on the show eventually, too. I just thought she was great. And I really, it's you know, I love talking to people that I root for that I'm like, oh, man, I really want good things to happen for you. And it seems like she has so many amazing opportunities and things happening. And I'm just really excited to follow her journey in the future. But like I said, if you have not watched this show, go watch this show. Hopefully we'll have talked about some things in this interview that'll even make you more curious about checking out this show if you haven't. And if you are a fan of this show, I hope this interview uh, does, you know, does your fandom justice. I hope this is good for you guys. So without further ado, she is the only thing. No pop culture stories today. Uh, not going to talk about Drake or any of that stuff. I'm just going to go right to the interview because I just think this is just great. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the one, the only, Olivia Marie Plath. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Folks, welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. Now today... Wow, I couldn't be more excited to talk to our next guest. She has been a reality star for five seasons on the TLC show, Welcome to Plathville. Now, this reality show is one of my favorites. I don't get to talk about it enough, but I was tuned in every week. And our next guest is my favorite character, who it turns out is actually a real person. We have watched her grow on the show, explore life, commit to her own beliefs, even when it meant sacrificing certain things in her life. She is also an amazing photographer. She has a wedding and elopement photography business. She is currently living in Los Angeles, which I can't wait to find out about her experiences here. But honestly, this is a person that I consistently root for. The one, the only, Olivia Marie Plath. Welcome to the show. Can I give myself a drum roll? <laughs> yeah, I can't do a drum roll, but yeah, there she is. Ba-da. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Uh, Olivia, I really do. I mean, you are one of those people that I root for. And I was rewatching the season finale of season five, which has got to be so weird for us to talk about your life in terms of seasons. Like I was like, oh, I just watched really traumatic uh, events in your life. Rewatch that. How weird is that for you that we all get to see a peek into your life like this? Honestly, it's become so normal that when I refer to my own life, I'm like, oh, that was like season three. <laughs> that's that's so season three, Olivia. You don't even know. <laughs> season five, Olivia could never. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was like we we left you, you know, having that really intense conversation with your ex. And I've been like I, I I've been through a divorce. I, I've I've been in those, I mean, not with a camera on me, but I've had those conversations and it was so real. Like you, you could just sense how real it was. Um but uh, I mean, moving f- forward, you know, we'll get back to that. I just, you're in Los Angeles now. You moved to Los Angeles from Minnesota. Is that right? That's correct. I got divorced and said, I don't know where the heck to go. And Los Angeles is a great city to go when you don't know where to go. <laughs> How long have you been in Los Angeles now? I moved out here last June. Um, so maybe like nine months. And Listen, I think I've had a very different experience than a lot of other people living in LA. I'll say well, that. Well, tell me, what, what, is, what is your experience? Because I've been here for decades now. What has your experience been so far in Los Angeles? Moving here, everyone told me, like, beware of the crazy. Like, Los Angeles is crazy. And I'm not going to debate that. But I will say that where I live in Los Angeles feels like a bubble. I honestly feel like a grandma. I don't see anything going <laughs> on. 
I, I walk to my bakery and I go to the park and read my books and I go to the beach and read books and I go hiking and like, I don't see all the craziness. Um, moving here right after getting divorced, obviously everything that's gone on the show, people know, like I've had quite a chaotic life. Um, moving here, all of a sudden I felt like my life was boring and I, <laughs> I had to get used to the idea that living in a place that is regulated and safe and like drama free can feel boring when you're so used to constant drama. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's gotta be weird to come out the situation you were in and actually have Los Angeles be a stabilizing force. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, that's going to be so crazy for you. I'm like, nah, this is the most peaceful I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we always hear about the Plaths, but I, I kind of want to know more about you as well as like how you grew up and what was your concept growing up with your family who was also very religious and you had, what, I think nine brothers and sisters um, is like, what did you know of Los Angeles when you were raised? Was that like, oh, that's the evil town? The thing is, Growing up in a like very religious fundamental circle, they don't even call cities in Los Angeles by name. It's just California. Like California is the worst state. Californication. Like my, I remember my dad <laughs> all the time being like, it's written that way because it's real. It's true. So I just thought California was like the worst state. Um, and I remember being a kid being like, I'll never go there. And then I visited here when I was 18 shooting a wedding and I fell in love with San Francisco and it was one of those things of like, wait, how can how can this be so bad if it if it feels so happy here? Right. Yeah. I mean, we actually I think saw you and Mariah go to like San Francisco at one point on the show. Yep. Um, and, and I, I mean, I, I it, it is very interesting, though, like my my sister and her husband, they're very religious with their family. And, you know, I try to get them to come out and visit. And they're in that. No, bad things happen there. Bad thing. And I'm like, Disneyland yeah. is here. Are you kidding? Like, come on. Good things happen here all the time. I just think it's how it's portrayed out there in the media, which is interesting. It's also um, crazy because there's like very, very conservative religious bubbles outside of Los Angeles. Like there's tons of very fundamental people that live here. Yeah. But in Northern California, like Reading, very conservative. So I'm like, ah, all right. People always we have we we have it all here. We have it all. We have conservative. We like, it's really, but so you, it, I'm so happy to hear that it's been a positive experience for you because I think that's what we want for you. Just watching your journey of like, we want you to be at peace. We want you to kind of, you, you're the person that really seems to have grabbed like life by the horns and really want to, or seem to want to experience everything that it has to offer, which was so interesting because that's how this show kind of started was about certain people of the Plath family experiencing things for the first time. It's just that you have fully committed to this. And can you speak to like how, you know, doing the show has changed you and opened you up even more when we've see, we see other characters on the show, it's closed them off even more. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it's baseline personality, right? Like some people have a personality that they just want more. They're always curious. And literally something I've been saying so often in the past few months is that curiosity is the theme of my life. And if you're curious and you want to meet people, you want to see how other people live and what they think and what, you know, drives them. It's really hard to go back to the bubble after that. Um, I also think a big part of it is like, there's a lot of exploration to be done when you grow up very isolated from the world. However, it's really easy to just change the outer stuff. It's really easy to just dress different, talk different, eat different, do different things. It's a lot harder to dig really deep inside of yourself and question your own biases and question your own thought processes. And I think that that's the biggest difference in 
looking at some of my ex-sibling in-laws that I thought were really curious would kind of branch out and then end up going right back to everything. I think it was really easy to change the outer stuff, really easy to have fun. And, you know, I look at like Mariah, dress different, be different, but it's a lot harder to dig really deep inside. And especially if it requires you to critically look at your own family dysfunction, that's really hard. Most people won't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this reality show almost kind of makes makes everybody do it even harder. And it's just been interesting. That's why I thought season five was the darkest season yet and the most real because we even see, even with, with the family, like, I mean, with the parental figures, I mean, yeah. I don't think in a million years, we, I never thought I would see Kim, the, the matriarch of the family kissing another man on television. I never in a million years, which by the way, do you watch every season when it comes out or no. do you protect yourself? So I watched like the first three seasons and then the fourth season, I was not in a great place emotionally. Um, that year of my life was really topsy-turvy and I stopped watching that season so much, mostly because I just wasn't even like proud of myself and how I handled things. Um, and I didn't want to watch it over. And then season five, I knew all the things that were being said before filming even started. And I was like, nah, I don't think I'm gonna watch it. I saw clips here and there, um, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to feel too angry yeah. or I didn't watch well, it. <laughs> but it's interesting though. You even say you were critical of yourself. It's not that you're just critical of other people. You're actually critical of your own behavior. And that's another thing that leads to you are constantly searching and you are constantly trying to improve who you are, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, having a camera on you all the time, especially when you're living in kind of a fight or flight situation, there's a lot of things I am not proud of that I said or did or how I reacted. And I look back with some grace knowing that I didn't have tools to handle it differently, but also providing myself accountability going like, okay, but I can't say that my whole life. I have to acquire these tools. Um, I have to not handle it this way the next time. So it's a... I mean you were 18 years old when you got married, right? I was 20 when I got married. Okay. Uh, but 18 the, when you started dating Ethan? Is that what it was? I was 18 when I started courting him. And when you started courting him, is that that's what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> I remember arguing with my dad and being like, I will not call it courting. I will call it dating. <laughs> and he was very much like, call it whatever you want. It's parental supervised and <laughs> chaperoned. So that's courting. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to take people through like, you know, uh, the fundamentalist kind of religion and the way you were you were raised to take people through it if they don't know. I mean, what was that experience? We saw the plots, but for you, what was that experience? You were also part, I believe, like of a family band, which we saw, man, I got to tell you, watching your sit, like pick up, picking up a fiddle at a bar and all of a sudden just hopping in on a song. I was like, this is insane. I've never seen musical talent like this. I mean, it was wild. I mean, but. I mean, I know it's hard to sum up, but what was that childhood like for you? And when did you find it restrictive? I think I started finding it restrictive when I was like 14, 15. Um, and I didn't fully understand why. I just was very dissatisfied with life. I feel like I didn't really have any friends. Um, my parents were not super nurturing. So there was a very big disconnect in my relationship with them. I grew up as a pastor's kid. And so I just wanted out of all of that. I had a little rebellious phase where I rebelled against my dad and I cut my hair to my shoulders and I started wearing like black eyeliner and all the girls at church were like, we're praying for you. We can tell you're really oh, safe. Oh. And I did that for two years. And then I was like, you're right. I'm bringing my dad dishonor. So when I was like 16, 17, I like stopped doing all of that. And I 
apologize to the whole church and my dad for like rebelling against him, whatever. Like in front of everybody, you had to get up and apologize? I wrote a letter <laughs> to all the elders in the church and their daughters who I was a bad example for. Um, yeah, wild times. And then, so I met Ethan when I was 16, kind of during a little bit of this rebellious phase. Um, was he wearing black? Was he wearing black eyeliner as well? <laughs> I wish. <but> no. <laughs> I wish, but no, um, I wasn't interested in him at first. His family met my family because we were performing at like a huge family conference. Um, we were performing music on the stage and and His Kim mom. was interested in the family band kind of aspect because she wanted Kim's always very business forward, it seems like, or it reads like. And she, I think, kind of took a shine to your family and what they were doing business wise with the music. Yeah, she walked up to my mom afterwards and was like, I want to do that. How did you do that? How much do you make? Like, what do you do if your kids say no? And my mom was like, um, I don't really know. We don't get paid. Our kids just love performing music like our kids just love making music together. Next thing we know, like six months later, they reach back out to us and they're like, we have a band now. And like, here's how many encores we got. And here's how much money we're making. How many concerts we got. Like, it was such a thing. Um, I was was there ever a battle of the bands, a battle of the family bands, like a, a band off? It was just like, what the heck is going on? Like, <laughs> this is not a competition. If you guys want to perform music, that's fine. They would call us up and be like, we're going to come visit you for a week. And then they'd get there and be like, all right, play all your new music that you've been working on for us. And we'd be like, okay. And like just jamming out. And like two months later, we'd be like, wait, they're performing that song. They copied what we did. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. Yeah. I was interested in Ethan. Um, he was interested in me. It took about like two years. And then our courtship started between parents. Like he wrote my dad a letter. My dad read it and was like, let me talk to his parents, see what I think. And the whole process was like my dad and his mom collaborating on what we could do, how often we could talk on the phone. Um, yeah. That's so, and I imagine, and I don't know if you're, you know, you've experienced dating since, but like, it's very <laughs> different for a lot of us, I guess, normies or whatever. Our, our courting process is very different. And now we have these stupid apps and it's like, nobody's writing letters to parents and stuff. And when you look back there, I mean, I guess there's something sweet hearing about this, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not how a lot of people go through things. I mean, has this in certain ways, stunted how you approach relationships now with the opposite sex or even oh, the same sex? Oh, for sure. Because the thing is, yes, it's sweet when you look back on the fact that Ethan and I, we're not allowed to talk on the phone or Skype. We're allowed to talk on the phone for like one hour every three months. So we wrote letters. Every, every three months? One yeah. hour? Yeah. So you look at the surface level and you're like, oh, it's like old fashioned and cute and everything. But then the flip side to that is I married someone I didn't know. And that went very poorly for me. Um, Post-divorce, I have been dating a bit. <laughs> it's been hard. I mean, how nervous do you get? Like, cause I remember, you know, after my divorce and dating for the first time and it was, uh, I mean, I just get scared even thinking about it. Cause I was so nervous about, you know, cause I was married before like apps and stuff like that. And I was just like, Oh, how will anybody respect me if I've been divorced or how will anybody like, how has it been for you in these little situations or something? Has it been nerve wracking? Um, so I feel like the actual first date part, not hard at all. I purposely like say whatever weird things come to mind. Cause I'm just like, take it or leave it. Right. Like I am. Fine. <laughs> Wait, what's a weird thing, by the way, what is a weird thing to you? I don't know. Just like whatever comes to mind. Listen, recently, recently talking to this guy, the subject of how to milk a cow came up and we had a little argument. <laughs> I'm like, Talk about whatever you want. There's no set rules. I'm guessing you brought that up. Not him. 
accidentally. I don't really know how it happened. (laughs) That's what Uh, happens in courting in 2024 in Los Angeles, in California. Yeah. I, I don't do the apps. Um, I'm just a little, I, I'm a true crime fanatic and I'm a little too scared of being rolled up in an oriental rug and found in the desert. Good. Yes. You should be scared of that, please. Yes. Yes. I don't do apps. Um, yeah, I so I've heard a little bit of fame and recognition too. So I would imagine, I mean, I would that's got to be scary too because I, you know, people can go and find out more about you than they can. That's the other thing is that people then look into your history. Oh, trust me, the tabloids are there lots of them, lots of misleading ones. I don't have trouble on a first date. I feel like I can make conversation pretty easily, and you know, I feel like I'm pretty personable. The hard part for me is getting past the first date because I grew up in purity culture which basically told me that as a woman, like I was solely responsible for keeping men from going to hell. If I dressed too inappropriately and they lusted over me, I caused them to stumble. Um, If I had sex outside of marriage, then I was like a crushed flower, chewed up gum. Um, And even like conversations revolving around sex very much like this is for men and for women it's for procreation. So even though I don't believe those things in my mind, when it gets past the first date or like hooking up or staying over at someone's house, I, I have really been struggling recently with going, Oh, I walked away from purity culture. I don't believe those things, but I didn't realize how much they still affect me. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yeah. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. How much, how much that shame is so deeply in it's ingrained. You have to fight against that. It's wow. Yeah, this is hard for me. That's where I'm tripping up recently. Is like trying to bring that shame to the light and send it packing on its way. And it's really hard. There's a lot of hangups. But I love that you're aware of that because, like, if you're aware of that, you can actually face that and move forward. Instead of kind of the overall theme of a lot of this is like hiding it pushing it down, going back to old habits. And I think regardless of religion or family that where everybody out there listening or watching this has an experience like that, where it's always easier to not actually move forward. Um, yeah. Well, it depends on what you define as easy. It's easier in the moment to stay comfortable. It's way harder in the long run when you don't deal with something because it affects you the rest of your life. And I don't want this to affect me the rest of my life. I don't want a parent out of these insecurities and these fears like my parents did to me. I want to deal with these things now, whether I have kids, whether I don't like I just yeah, I, I would rather deal with it now. I know I'm hopping all around, but you said something just a second ago that just kind of stuck out in my mind about what a woman's duty is to a man and, you know, how you, you know, you are almost putting a man into heaven. Like that is the woman's job out there. You, you, you can save a man from going to hell, women out there. That's a job. But also the other job, which was like on that last episode, which was like, 
you know, you got to cook three square meals a day. You got to cook the squeeze three square meals. And you made this point, this beautiful point of like, well, what if I want a meal? Like, what if, you know, like there, what about courting culture in 2024 of like, Hey man, guys can cook for women too. This is such a BS kind of like, like we're, we're fighting about meals here. Like that's a, that's a gateway drug to hell is if you don't cook a man three meals, it is. I mean, like we can laugh about it, but it's like these people truly believe that stuff and yeah. that's just not true. It's also scratching the surface. Like, yeah. No, I, I know it. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff, but, but I, like, that's the most simple example yet. It's something that was so, it seems so important that he used it in a conversation to yeah. try to show what his feelings were. And I was like, this is not the argument, man. Well, there was a lot of things he said, obviously. So politics is usually left out and not covered because it's so divisive. So, um, I th- yeah. yeah, I was sensing you guys wouldn't vote the same. I was like, I think there might be a little bit of a difference here. We can deduct there um, <laughs> what the politics are. And that part of it was left out. So the meals was just something that's like, oh, we can include this. Right. But ironically enough, in dating, I'm a petty bitch. One of the first, <laughs> one of the first questions I ask men with no context is like, "So, do you cook? Like, would you cook for me?" And they're always like taken back by the question, like, "Why she asked me that?" And I'm like, "I just have to find out. I just have to know." <laughs> and then you hit them with the cow milking right after it. You're like, "And then, hey, what about cow milking? Where are you saying? What's your views on cow? Like, no, that's right. And well, yeah. and it, have you found that most men have been like, "Of course." Um, the ones who aren't are like bro, we live in 2024. You know, there's such a thing as like Uber Eats. And I'm like, yep, I know. I'm just making sure you know. <laughs> I love that they're potentially calling you bro. Like, hey, what up, bro? Um, it's a good good courting thing in 2024 as well. Um, it is. It's, I mean, I'm so glad you can laugh about this. And I'm so sorry that I'm asking questions that are potentially tough or about your past because I know you're a real person. But, um, you know, going all the way back to when you're 20 years old, you're married and I think you can deduce also if Kim was interested in family bands, she's also the one that wanted to be on television or pitching a show. That was my question first watching. I remember watching it the first week it came out. And uh, I was my question was, well, why would this family even want to introduce television into it if they are trying to keep some kind of uh, purity and protect their family? Why introduce television and all of our comments on top of it? Um, why? Why, what was the conversation for you as a couple to actually be a part of this show to begin with? Well, so the one, the first thing I'll say is that the fundamental Christian world is very performance driven. It's all about how you look, how you present yourself to other people. And that's no different in having a TV show. Yes, Kim and Barry wanted their kids very isolated from the world. However, they also really cared about performance and what they looked like. There's a reason why Kim literally wrote a book about motherhood, which I feel like there's some more qualified people. Um, yeah, she wanted the show to kind of showcase her family and her parenting and how well it worked. And it backfired when she originally, so <laughs> the show started when I got married. She invited them to shoot my wedding without even asking me or talking to me because she thought I would say no. So I find out two weeks before my wedding that, oh, by the way, there's going to be a TV crew there filming, but they won't really be in the way. That was a lie. <laughs> they won't really be in the way. <laughs> A very big fat lie. Um, (laughs) Very much so changed the vibe of the day and the whole weekend. And so they came back after the wedding with that footage. And they were like, we have a green light. We'd like to make this into a show. And Ethan and I were like, absolutely not. And our reasoning was when the show was presented, it was like, you guys are such a happy family. This is like Pleasantville. Like everything's so happy and idyllic and everything. And I literally remember saying to the people who were sent to like talk us into doing this. I was like, 
I don't think you realize what this is because actually I'm not even allowed to see my sibling-in-laws. Like I am not allowed to spend time with them two months after getting married not allowed to spend any time with them. Like this is, they're not- like, we know, we know. Yeah. We're, we're very aware. <laughs> like we think you guys can all work it out and get along. Like you're, you're a beautiful family. And I was like, I don't think you realize how dysfunctional things are under the surface, but they were very, very persuasive and, you know, a little pushy. And Ethan and I ended up making a list of all the things that had to happen if we were going to say yes, because the network said that if Ethan and I didn't say yes, it wasn't a show. So of course, Kim was like, Kim actually told her, she's like, if you guys, we'll say yes to doing the show. You'll be allowed to see the siblings again, which at that time was like, I look now and I'm like, I would not fall for that manipulation. 20 year old me who saw my spouse suffering because he wasn't allowed to see the only friends he had in his entire life. 20 year old me. That's right. Those are his only friends. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. He was like, I guess that's the best solution. So he can see his siblings again. And um, we made a list of a few things that were like, we will die hard on this hill. And everyone agreed. And so filming moved forward. Yeah. After season one, <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing anymore. I'm backing out. I'm not doing the show. And Ethan and Mike and Rye were like, why? And I was like, um, because I was the villain. Like, I don't think you guys understand what that's like. <laughs> and that actually caused a huge rift in my relationship with Mike and Rye at that time. Because um, they thought I was like, because if I said no, it didn't go on. And they thought I was like taking opportunities away from them. Yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, you are, I mean, and kind of, see, I call it the voice of reason. I, I always have this concept on reality television. There's a reliable narrator and I put you in that category. You're a reliable narrator. I can trust you. I can like, you're not, uh, you know, I know you have your faults, but I can actually trust you to tell a story from point A to point B. It's the motivations of everybody else around, starting from the parents and moving down, that that's the thing that you kind of have to parse out the actual reality of the reality. And I, you know, putting yourself into that situation year after year or season after season, and also seeing how popular this show got, um, it's got to be really scary for you who actually is trying to grow, trying to have a real relationship with your husband, potentially one day having a family. I mean, did it, obviously you said it felt icky from the beginning, but then you also brought up the movie Pleasantville, but the movie Pleasantville also talks about how messed up it is trying to like stay in this bubble. And you're right. It backfired completely because Kim starting this to see where Kim is now, Mariah, Micah, like everybody, I, it blew me away. I I, I never even thought I'd see Barry in the gym pumping iron. Like what a weird image that was. I was like, what is going on? I'm seeing Barry like out, try to pump his son. I was like, what is going on in this family? So all that to leading to, would you do season six? Yeah. And will you be doing season six? Yeah. Um, Good. I think that if you're going to idolize a lifestyle that promotes the dysfunction that we see, then you have to show the flip side. You have to show what happens when someone walks away from it. You have to show what happens when someone questions it. Otherwise, it's just, it's not the full story. Um, it is just this little prettified, whitewashed, happy version of it. And that is not realistic. So ha- have there been like not so great parts of filming? Yes. There's also been amazing parts of shooting this show, which is the people. What, what, what's been some of the amazing parts for you? The Honestly, the crew that we have um, throughout the years, a few people have changed, but the core crew that we have have become people in my life who I like, I can't imagine my life without them. 
Um, I love that. Such wise and wonderful, kind, empathetic, compassionate, intelligent people. And the experiences that it's brought into my life, the people I've, you know, friendship, friendships I've made because of the show, I wouldn't give all of that up. I think that I've always been curious, but I don't think that I would have propelled forward this quickly without the show. And it's come with its growing pains, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. But this never could have been when you were a kid. You couldn't even possibly imagine any of this for your life. Any of this. No. My sister and I were laughing the other day because both being single now and dating. And I found a picture of Wait, her. Did your, did your sister live in L.A. with you? No. My sister lives in Arizona. Um, okay. She moved out there a few months ago. but And this is Lydia who we saw on this past season, right? Okay. Um, six hours away. We see each other quite a bit. She's actually working in the other room. Um, visiting what me up? Visiting. What up, Lydia? Lydia! <laughs> um, but yeah, my sister and I were actually talking about this the other day because I found a picture of me and my ex and her and her ex. And I was like, gosh, even a year ago, could you imagine we'd be where we are? Like, I knew I felt trapped in the marriage I was in, but also I felt like it was the commitment I made and I didn't know how to walk away from every... I was just terrified of the ramifications of getting divorced um, with the public watching. And That's really scary. It was scary, but honestly, the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you just brought up uh, photographs and you're a photographer. And one of my questions or what I've always wanted, why photography for you? Like what, 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 what is something about capturing an image? What does that do for you? Why did you get drawn to that in the first place? I think there's a few reasons. One, I'm a very creative person. So if you're going to work your whole life, you might as well love what you do. And I want to work in the creative uh, sphere, but when I was really young, um, my mom's dad loved photography and I just remember sitting on his lap and like, he would let me take pictures with his camera and I was so obsessed with it. And he died when I was six and my only memories of him really revolve around photography. And I always said, I'm going to do that like pop up. And when I graduated high school, I bought a camera and started shooting weddings. I also think being one of 10 kids, um, there wasn't a lot of pictures of me growing up and I was always sad about that. I was always sad that there weren't really more pictures of like me and my siblings living life. Um, and yeah, that's what I do for a living is I create those memories for other people so that they can look back and feel like it was yesterday. They can remember how they felt when they look at that photo. And I take great pride in that. Has your work changed at all uh, after the divorce in terms of you're shooting these weddings, you're shooting the, the most important day in a lot of these couples' lives. Uh, is there anything, uh, is there any anger that, you know, when, after this, when you first started doing this again, was there any kind of feelings or what is the feeling that you get when you do these? Honestly, I feel like working as a wedding photographer was probably the best thing for me in getting divorced because instead of feeling angry and hopeless about it, instead I was looking at these couples going, Wow. They really treat each other with respect. And these are people that are best friends. And I didn't have any of that in my relationship. And it made me go, that's out there. I know that I can find that. I, I know that I could have the kind of relationship that I want. Um, it didn't make me angry at all. If anything, it gave me hope. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's what it should do. Because I love that you actually still believe in that. You believe in that concept of love and you believe in that. Um, I think that's the most important thing is to not have that beaten out of you by any, you know, no matter what anybody says. Yeah, I got my trial run out of the way. Um, <laughs> it was it was a whole experience. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it because now I know what I don't want. And I think that that's just as valuable as knowing what you want. Um, 
you know, you, you kind of mentioned this, but in, in some ways I felt like you were on an island, you know, by yourself throughout the course of the show, even when Ethan was like, you know, standing up for you here and there, but it still felt like an island and you did feel like there was a yearning for more life and all of this stuff. When you guys, you know, you moved to Minnesota, that was supposed to be for a year. And then we see Ethan going, I could be here for years. I could be, was that you guys just running from your problems and trying to pick up and like, okay, we'll throw this at the relationship to spice it up. I mean, you spent like six weeks in Europe, uh, but I think there were probably, you know, you can't really run from your problems, but was that you guys trying to run from your problems and put a bandaid over it? No, I think hindsight's 2020. Um, So I, I was terrified of being stuck. I was terrified of putting down roots. I grew up in a really small town. It felt like a fishbowl. It was a very conservative town. Got married, moved to another very small town that was a fishbowl, especially being on reality TV and having in-laws that hated me and talked to everyone around town about me. So it just felt like, I felt like I was suffocating. And yeah. Ethan is a very stubborn person. Um, and I, I think I reacted to that stubbornness because I was so terrified of, of being stuck. And when we separated the first time, that was a major reason why. Is I was like, I don't, I'm so depressed here that like, I feel like I can't even function and do my job properly. I can't live here. I can't imagine being here the rest of my life. And he wanted to. And I was like, I, I got to take a break because I don't know what to do. Um, and after that separation, he came back to me and he was like, I'll give you three years. We can live in a different place for three years, you know, because most leases are 12 months. So we signed three different 12 month leases in three different states. We see what it's like to live elsewhere. Cause I was like, I don't want to be stuck in the South. Like I, that's not my vibe. Living in the deep South is not my vibe. So I (laughs) wanted to live in like three different States and get off the East coast and see what was out there. And we made the agreement we would do three years. And then after that, pick a place to settle down. And that was like the compromise. Um, a lot of people looked at it as running. I look at it as like, how do you know where you want to live if you've only ever lived in one place? Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> like you don't. Ironically enough, post-divorce, um, moving to Los Angeles, I don't want to put down roots here, but now I'm going, oh, I think I'm ready to put some roots down. I don't feel the need to move around so much. And I think so much of that is like, now I can see that a lot of it was my reaction to Ethan of feeling very suffocated and stuck in the relationship with his family, with everything, and just trying to get out and changing the only thing I knew how to do, which was location. And now that I have, now that I'm in the driver's seat of like my own life and how I feel with the people around me, I don't feel the need to travel so much and jump around so much. Like I can deal with the inner yeah. stuff, just changing the outer stuff. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's like the step. I mean, I, I was watching you guys on that couch and it reminded me of when I had to go to, or not had to, I chose to go to couples counseling to try to make my uh, marriage work. Uh, and it felt, I was like, wow, this is like couples counseling, but it's like a reality show. Did you guys actually ever do real couples counseling? Cause it seemed like something that Ethan would be really against knowing his character, which is just by a show. I'm not trying to talk bad about Ethan, but it just seems like something he would be against. Yeah, no, he, was against it from the very get-go. Um, we had, so we had like premarital counseling and he thought that that was enough. However, the guy who did our premarital counseling, I didn't know him. He was a friend of Kim's. She set it up for us. <laughs> it was friends of Kim's. Sorry, sorry to off to I remember sitting in the first session and literally the first thing he said, he looked at Ethan. He was like, Ethan, I know your parents and they're wonderful people. I have no qualms about you. And then he turned to me, he's like, Olivia, let's talk about you. What's your relationship with your dad like? And from that moment, I was like, fucking hate this. 
this is not, this is not it. So probably by like year two of being married, I was asking to go to counseling and he was dead set against it. When we were separated the first time he agreed to go for a little bit. I think we got maybe three sessions in and he stopped showing up and I was just there by myself. And I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to waste my money on this. Yeah. Um, at the very end of our marriage, like season five, See, I talk about my life in season. Season five. <laughs> this is like Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, but it's Olivia, the season tour. Yeah. Um, I asked him to go to personal therapy and counseling at that time, and he was dead set against it. So, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I kind of figured. Um, also, I think, you know, you are such a strong proponent, and I love this about you, you know, LGBTQA, like, all, you know, like you believe in the concept of love for everybody, right. which was always my thing in terms of like God's teachings and stuff. I'm like, this man, you know, loves everybody. If you believe in the concept of, you know, like it, it's such a simple belief for me to believe in, um, that also seemed, and you guys never really said it out loud. It, it would, I was also assuming that that was something that Ethan, because you know, that conversation on the couch, which I keep going back to was just, you know, talked about kids of like, well, I, I, I can't have kids with her kind of because of her beliefs. Was this one of the beliefs? And okay, that's a, I just, yeah, he was not okay. Having kids with someone who would allow them to be whatever they wanted to be, to love whoever they wanted to love, to identify however they wanted to. That was, that's what he means when he says patriotic. Um, and when he talks about principles is he, he wanted to raise his kids very right wing, very conservative, which look at the end of the day, everyone makes their own choice, right? Like yeah. if he wants to live that life, that's fine. But I'm the, I'm the kid of two people who they value those principles who frequently told me I was going to hell and all these things. And I would never, I couldn't in good conscience bring kids into an environment where I thought that they wouldn't be loved and accepted for who they were. And he told me that he told me like, if my son's ever, if my son ever comes to me and is gay, like I'm never going to talk to him again. And I was like, well, I can't in good faith have kids that are going to be treated that way. Cause I know what it feels like to have the void of parents in my life because they value what they believe over who I am. Yeah. I mean, and you, I mean, like, I love people that say these things without ever meeting their kid. Like if I had one in the future, it's like, hey, when you meet your kid, you're going to fall so deeply in love with your kid, probably that it would make you open up. I mean, that just to me, and I guess I'm blessed and I'm so privileged that I can love anybody that I want. And there's no, no trigger in my brain that says that's bad, but it's interesting because Ethan you kind of root for him throughout the seasons. He was presented as this kind of goofball that we watched him try liquor for the first time. And we all laughed with, and I really believed that like you were this force. I don't, I don't believe, I guess in changing people, but you saw that, I don't know, you saw this affinity that he had for you. And I was just so bummed that he kind of leaned into certain other things that he was raised with. And I mean, in terms of Ethan, because I with my did do you still have a relationship with him in any sense? Did you have to draw boundaries for yourself or did he? Um I don't think it was so much drawing strong boundaries. I mean, the divorce process was very drawn out and very long, like nine months, I think, because he changed his mind after I moved to Los Angeles and was like, actually, I want to get back together with you. And did I he try like, to woo you? Did he how did he try to woo you back? Like I'll, I'll cook for you? Not that. That's what he should have said. <laughs> no, um, he just, yeah, he, he wanted to get back together very badly and I didn't. And so he didn't want to sign papers. He thought that I would change my mind if he held out. Um, Were you ever close? No. At the end of the day, I think we didn't know each other when we got married and we were so different as people 
um, and him having to choose between me or his family because of how the situation was, I think that those were big factors in us not being friends now. Um, he, he did tell me that when he told his family we were divorced, they like had a little celebration party. So oh, God, I feel like that says like a lot um, about kind of why he's being pulled back and all that influence. And yeah, we weren't friends when we were married. So there's not really a reason why we'd be friends, you know, post-divorce. The only tricky part is that he's very close with my younger brother and Nathan. Yes. And in the divorce process, he like Nathan's kind of been his like emotional support. And that's drastically changed my relationship with my brother where he doesn't really talk to me now and like took his side. It's so messy that I just try not to think about it. So I still sleep at night. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to, I won't bring that up, but I, I, uh, I, no, no. I mean, I want you to, I want you to sleep well. You're in Los Angeles, the city of dreams. Come on. Like, um, no, I, I find that really interesting. It's like, you know, especially after any breakup of a relationship where family and friends go and who they believe and the stories they tell, has there been anybody in the class that sent you any kind of secret message of like, I, I really respect what you're doing. Have, have you gotten any kind of support at all from the class? I mean, no, and I wouldn't expect it. Um, I'm still close with the extended family that lives in Minnesota. And when Ethan and I got divorced, having close relationships with them, I had a conversation with all of them of what this looks like moving forward. There's no expectation for you to still have a relationship with me. If you feel torn between me and Ethan, I respect that. I respect your, his family. And they were all like, Olivia, if we were in the middle, it's because we'd be doing that to ourselves. Like we can have a relationship with both of you. And I'm still close with all of them going snowboarding with them this weekend. Um, so all the cousins, aunt and uncles, grandparents, they still talk to me, but none of Ethan's immediate family. I didn't know if Kim was like, we need you to do season six. I re-. And also Kim at this point should be like, girl, I understand what it's like to be adventurous now. I understand what it's like to want more. Like Kim especially should act from her actions in this past season. I feel like, I mean, you know, and guys, you know, you know, the DUI, all that crap, you know, like you can check that out elsewhere. Um, but it's got to be wild for you. Like there's, there's a certain it almost comes off like a hypocrite in a, in a certain sense. Listen, I'm a petty bitch. I know that she thought that I wouldn't be a part of, you know, Plathville anymore when Ethan and I got divorced. And I know that she's disappointed that I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm just reveling in that a tiny bit. Yeah. You wanted this, um, but you didn't have it without me. So, so I, I'm a student of reality television. And if I was a producer on reality TV, the storyline would be like, okay, I know the Ethan thing. So I want to see, I want to see you dating. I want to see you moving on with your life, but I need you to be connected with the Plaths in some way. So is there like what I would think as a producer would be like, I wonder if I can have them, Olivia, have a conversation with Mariah in some way, because Mariah looked up to you for so long and then really vehemently went against you. And I think kind of made up some certain things about her music, which I don't really uh, believe, unfortunately, her side. Um, do I mean, do you have to draw any boundaries for yourself in terms of filming and what relationships or conversations you're going to allow yourself to have? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's when there's an opportunity for connection for those conversations, I communicate up front. Like if this turns into a blame festival, I'm walking away. If this turns into a circus, I'm a walk away and let it burn. Um, to quote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as the rest of it, like, I feel like Ethan and I getting divorced, my life has just gone a completely different direction and there's like no crossover between my life and theirs at all. Um, yeah. Just, I, w- I wouldn't imagine there would be. And that's why I'm like, how do we, 
you know, how do we have that thin connection of, and I guess the thin connection is that, you know, you are getting out of this marriage and I think we want to see your journey, which I'm so excited about. But even that, are you, are you scared to show your journey because it might ruin the actual journey for you? Like it might actually take away some of that sweetness of discovering, you know, even discovering yourself more. No, I feel like I I'm being very careful about what I say, what I share. Um, I don't feel pressured to say anything I don't want to say. And even in dating, you know, I, in trying to find the balance of like what to share, what not to share, I always just ask myself, like, would I feel safe with this out there? Um, Would I feel safe hearing anyone's opinions about this? And if I don't want to hear the public's opinions about it, I'm probably not going to share it. So do you I ever go searching? Do you, do, you, do you ever like do yourself self-harm and go searching for like the Reddit threads and the TikToks and like. Reddit. The thing is about Reddit is I love using Reddit. It's like a cesspool and a goldmine. In using Reddit, things about the show will pop up and I'm like, oh, I should not read that or I will. Hate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so you're, you're aware you tiptoe around a lot I, of these things. I'm aware it's all out there. It's kind of hard to ignore it also when all the Karens and Sharons come on my Instagram. But um, you know what? I, f- I think that people judge what they don't understand. And yeah, of course. I'm and they haven't lived that experience themselves. And then once they do, you usually like they have a different understanding and life is kind of like that. It, it'll it present situations where something that you're so vehemently against, you will change throughout the course of your life in so many different ways. Yeah. I also think that a lot of it's projection. So the the older ladies that come at me who, you know, shred me for how I acted in being married or for leaving the marriage, I'm like, you're probably unhappy in your own and you're projecting. And so I don't need to take that to heart. Have I messed up and made mistakes? Absolutely. The people I'm going to listen to who provide accountability for that are people who know me, who know the situation and who love me and want the best for me. If someone who wants the best for me is like, Hey, I think you could have done this better. I would be a fool not to listen. If someone on the internet is like, you're a bitch. I'm like, well, (laughs) well, this has started poorly. (laughs) Um, okay. Do you have like 15 more minutes? Are you good? Absolutely. Are you, are you, are you having an okay time? Is this okay for you? Oh, this is terrible, Ryan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start our feud right now, Olivia. I want to like, let's start the feud right now. Um, okay. So I, I just even moving aside from the plas, all this crap, what do you like? What do you consume in terms of media? Like what are your favorite television shows? Do you watch reality TV? What do you like to watch? <laughs> I'm the worst when it comes to in taking media, I feel like growing up in a world where I didn't, I didn't watch any news and watch television as an adult is sometimes is very overstimulating, especially living in these unprecedented times where like the whole world's on fire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you pay attention to? Um, Take in. If I'm just watching fun things, then I feel like I'm ignoring the real issues at hand. If I just pay attention to the real issues, then I feel like it's a pit of despair. I can't do anything to all these things. So it's a fine balance of like trying to figure that out. Every single friend that I, you know, become close with, 
starts making me a list of all the things I've never watched that I should see. And it's 10 miles long. I will never make it. And you're going to feel guilty every time you watch something potentially. Yeah. I start a lot of things. Like literally last night, my sister is visiting. She's like, have you ever seen Modern Family? I'm like, nope. She's like, we're starting. I've now seen three episodes of Modern Family. Will I continue? I don't know. Because tomorrow someone's going to be like, you've never seen this? We're starting. It's just a lot of (laughs) unfinished things. Has there anything that you started that you're like, oh, I love this. I immediately have a reaction. Um, I don't know because I feel like a lot of things I watch become background. So I miss out on important things. Um, I, I just finished watching, um, the bear actually. Oh, what did you think of that? (laughs) First off, Jeremy. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Okay. He's the hottest man ever. Wow. Uh, No, (laughs) he's not even actually like my type, but I just was like, (laughs) he uh, knew what he was doing. So I I love shows like that where there's like something at stake, but also yeah. a little bit of comedic relief. Um, yeah, a little bit of anxiety inducing. I'm oh, did you watch that Thanksgiving episode with uh, Jamie Lee Kurt, like the flashback episode? I mean, it was so intense the whole episode. Yeah, I was actually watching this with a guy that I was on a date with, and I was like sitting there and going, "Oh no." Oh no, I would get up and walk right out. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. <laughs> it's like a horror film. Yeah, that's wild. It reminds um, me of childhood. It's a no. <laughs> I got to get you to watch an episode of Vanderpump Rules. I got to get, I mean, that they'd be like aliens to you. I mean, it, it would, they're insane. I've only seen like the tell all from that. And I wanted nothing more than to be sitting in a chair in the room because I had some thoughts. <laughs> Wait, what did you think immediately after watching the tell all? Just that men are bad? No. No, because I don't think blanket statements like that are okay. Um, I think that they do a disservice to the good people in the world. But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can say is I kind of wonder if a tell-all for Plathville would be like worth the while or not. I don't really know. I think I think it would be if you incorporated some of the actual events that surrounded it, how the show came to its origin story, what actually was going on in you and Ethan's relationship beforehand. That's why I think these interviews and stuff like that add a lot of context to the actual story. I don't think it harms the show, but I think it helps the show because there are a lot of blank. Like the producers are trying to tell a very specific story, and there's a lot of blanks that have to be missed because you only have. 43 minutes of television time each week with a family. So you're going to miss these things and you want to get a full picture of a human being. Well, and to that, I will also say that I don't think there's a lot of people who think that reality TV is producer driven. And there are certain shows that are absolutely when it comes to Platteville, I would say it's actually the opposite where one, you miss pieces of a story automatically because everything is fit into 45 minutes. So you're not going to see context for everything when it comes to like prettifying or like pr or like controlling the narrative that is not producers at all um that is absolutely cast and uh, (laughs) i know that for a fact Um, (laughs) the theme of season five was like unite and stand up and you know present this family image of what we want it to be um so yeah yeah I just wanted to say that because I feel like producers can get a bad rep. And I know from working with the producers that we have on our show, like they are, they work so hard to be so fair and compassionate across the board. And I Um, think the producers care about you. Like I do actually believe that to be true. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I just wanted to mention that like a lot of people think it's producer driven. I'm like, not this one, Mm, not this one. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Okay. In terms of music, what do you, cause you know, you come from a musical family. What, uh, what do you love music wise? 
I'm a classic rock lover, like through and through. So what does that include? What do you consider classic rock? Okay, classic rock, I would say, is like anything from the 70s to early 2000s. So it's quite a broad genre. Um, <laughs> I, my classic rock playlist that I made for myself is like 13 hours long. So there's like a lot in there. Wait, um, can we share share the Olivia classic rock playlist? This needs to be shared out there for long drives. It's on Spotify. Oh, it is. And it's called We Will Rock You. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what's your favorite pump-up song on the classic rock playlist? Okay, so hold on. No, this is actually, I geek out on this stuff so much. Give me one second. Let me read you like the first five titles and you'll know. Okay. Okay, or the first five bands. Guns yeah. N' Roses, uh, Van Halen, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Brian Adams, Foreigner, Boston, Pink Floyd, oh. Supertramp, Meatloaf. Perfect. Yes. Well, you don't need, need any more than that. That's amazing. Yeah. 13 hours. Have fun. <laughs> Third, no, that's great. That is We Will Rock You. Um, you also mentioned, I, and I know you love books. Like you say, you know, I'm reading at the beach. I'm reading at the park. What are you reading right now? I am currently reading a book um, about women at the CIA and how, number one, how like misogynistic and homophobic the foundation of the CIA was, but then number two, all the work women did that they were either held back um, or treated unfairly or just never credited. And it's a 2024 book. One of those things where you're like, let's take a look back at history. This seems a little, a little whitewashed. Are um, you, are you, are you telling me the patriarchy has existed this long? <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> very interesting. You know what? It's a time in my life to just kind of, um, take on the patriarchy head on across. Good. But that needs to be done. And that, by the way, and I was just thinking about this for people watching that show or even that, I, I know I keep bringing up the last episode, but I just rewatched it. You know, you talking about these basic concepts of what a woman's role is to a man, those things actually, you know, people need to hear those things. You think everybody knows it, but that's not true. Look at America. Those things do need to be talked about and you could be introducing actual thoughts to people that need to hear them, to women that yeah. need to hear them. It's it's interesting that those clips from that interview have gone viral on TikTok. Um, and there's a lot of comments of people who are like, it's freaking 2024. What is this dude saying? There are still a lot of people who are like, what's wrong with that? And... It always shocks me when I forget where I live and I forget, forget how I ra was raised when you see other people. And I think that's what Plathville kind of did where you're like, whoa, this actually exists still? Like you yeah. just are unaware that these kind of limiting thought systems are still out or belief systems are still out there. And I, I'm not speaking against God because I have my own personal relationship, but it is interesting that this still is alive and well. Well, when I look at our society and our culture, that is for the, for the longest time has been very patriarchal um, and seemingly founded on religion. Um, it doesn't surprise me that people look at these lifestyles that hold on to old fashioned values and see them as very idyllic. They see it as like the little Andy Griffith Mayberry. And the honest truth is that when you get beneath the surface, there's so much more going on and it's not as idyllic as it seems. So I think that reality TV in general for a long time has really glorified the, the large family, the removed from the world, the old fashioned values. But again, like, I think it's time to show the other side of that. 
Like, That's why I think Plathville is so brilliant because it presents this, but you also see what's going on underneath the surface. And it does this really great job of not painting this primrose path of like, oh, wow, they have it all right. You're like, oh, wow, this is coming apart at the seams in a lot of ways. And it's almost like these people that tried to escape it are now running back to it. And then you only can assume that in season six, like these problems and issues don't go away. You know, it's like you see it coming apart at the seams. Um and as we start start winding down, I wanted to read something that I thought was really powerful from your Instagram account, actually, in terms of a new year. And you said 2023 was quite a year. A while ago, I wasn't sure how this year going was going to feel in retrospect because getting divorced, losing a younger brother tragically and questioning everything, you know, while starting over in life is a lot to have happen in a short time. But the honest truth is that I'm so thankful for this year. It challenged me. It shook me. It provided time for grief and also gave me room to gain confidence. And you continued in two more beautiful paragraphs. But is that really how you felt coming out of 2023? Absolutely. I think. Ethan and I went our separate ways, March of 2023. Um, so very early in the year, I was like, this year's going to be a shit show. And then my youngest brother um, unexpectedly died in May. And going back home for his funeral, being around my family again, I was, it, it, it threw me for a loop. Um, but then over, I moved to, you know, LA right afterwards. And I honestly feel like for the first time in my life, I feel at home with myself. And I really wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this year because it started off not so great. But ending the year, I could not be more thankful for where I am. I think that everything that happened to me was meant to happen. Um, and it's it's been actually a force for good in my life. Not that everything's easy to feel or the best, but it's an opportunity. It's an invitation for me to look deeper and to find out how to deal with it in my life, how to acquire the tools for next time. Um, it's an invitation for me to grow as a person. And I can't hate that. Like I have to be so. Well, you're accepting the invites. I'll, I'll like hide from the invite and say, Oh, I didn't get it in the mail. I'm just going to hide in my bed for a while. Like you're actually accepting the invites, which is amazing. Um, uh, and finally, you actually just mentioned this kind of going back home and putting yourself in that situation. And it was the right thing to do, obviously. But was there any trepidation about going into that situation because you were going through such a tough year? I mean, are you allowed to share any of that experience of did your family welcome you with open arms? Did it provide any healing overall? Um, my parents don't talk to me. I've been blocked by both of them. I'm not the only one. There's several of my siblings who are the same way. We've chosen a different lifestyle. And because of that, we're not allowed to talk to our younger siblings um, and we're not allowed to be a part of the family unit per se. So my youngest brother who died, he was 15 and I hadn't talked to him in a few years. I wasn't allowed to. And first, when, when I found out he died, like there was a lot of anger at first. Um, but going back to back home for his funeral, I went with my sister, Lydia. We stayed together like glue the whole time and just seeing like how they all live their life, how they deal with everything. It was confirmation to me of like, I lost out in relationships with my siblings and relationships with my parents and everything because I've chosen different, but I could never live this lifestyle. This isn't me. Um, and so it's, you look at it, you're like, you weigh it in a scale. What do I want? What do I want out of life? Do I want a happy, perfect family where my parents love me and support me? Yeah. Can I give up myself for that? I can't. I honestly can't. And so there has to be some kind of peace resting in that decision of like, I choose me. I choose to be myself and I am going to lose things for it, but it's, it's always worth it to choose me. 
Damn, that's I wish I had met you 15 years ago. Um, uh, Ethan, uh, I mean, you know what you're saying is really powerful. Like people need to hear that stuff. Like if you're out there listening, like, you know, play this for somebody that is going through some like people need to hear that. Like, I wish I had heard that coming out of my relationship or I wish I had heard like these are really important things because I don't think a lot of people have this kind of bravery or belief in themselves that they're worth betting on, that they actually appreciate their life or wake up with some kind of gratitude. I find that even hard for myself on a daily basis. So it's really fascinating. But like watching Ethan go through that with his family and the shunning, you were actually actively already shunned from yours as well. I mean, is there any hope in your heart, even though you can't live that life that you can be cordial down the line or have relationships with your siblings? Or is that something like, I don't even think about, I don't even put it out there, whatever will be, will be. Yeah. I would say it's not something that I'm really actively like seeking, working on. I think that there are definitely Christians who are not judgmental. Um, but the fundamental word that I grew up in, I call it a cult. I think that fundamental Christianity is a cult by definition. And when I look at it that way, I'm like, I see how easy it has been for some of my siblings to be sucked back into the cult. I see how easy it was for my ex-sibling-in-laws and for my ex-husband. Like, Family relationships are very important and they fill a very big place in our life. And that void is hard. And a lot of people who leave the fundamental world end up going back because they don't want to give up those family relationships and you're shunned if you don't live that lifestyle. I don't want to be pulled back in. Um, I've seen it happen to siblings and my ex-in-laws. Like I, I just don't want to risk that down the line. Could things change? Absolutely. Is this something I'm trying to facilitate right now? No, I have so much work to do on her um, that I, I, I can't manage everyone else. Like I'm just focused on me. Yeah, I just watched this docuseries called Let Us Pray on Max about the IFB. The yeah, I mean, yeah. Really, really intense stuff. And you guys, I interviewed the director last week. You should go back and listen to that. But um, uh, this was just amazing. To end on a fun note, uh, Jeremy Allen White, we know you're hot for, even though he's not your type. Who is, what is Olivia's type? As you are getting to know yourself, what are the, what are the, the qualities that you look for in a man in dating in the year 2024? Um. Okay, so I'm going to give you a two-part answer. <laughs> I am just a woman after all. But looking at like character, I'm like, yeah, it's super important for me to, to date someone who is very curious about life, who's very compassionate towards other people. Um, because if they're curious and compassionate towards themselves, they can be that way towards other people. And those are two things I really want in a partner. I also want someone who doesn't go into it looking at like, this is a relationship forever. Um, this is a relationship as long as it's healthy and happy. And if both, yeah, because you, feel, yeah, exactly. You know, that sometimes things don't last forever now. Yeah, now, now I know, um, if I'm being a little more primal, listen, <laughs> this is the guys. This is the second part of the answer, by the way, listen, Italian <laughs> men do it for me. Um, back in the summer when I was like divorced and thinking about dating, I was like, all right, I'm gonna be a hoe. <laughs> I never got <laughs> I never got these years when I was a teenager. I'm gonna be a hoe now. And I found out that I really can't be a hoe because um I care too much about people and I get it. Yeah. And I also found that my type, which was Italian men, went to Italy to look for some. Um wait, wait, is this is this the trip you took with Ethan that you went no, and looked no. for my okay? I was like, wow, that's <laughs> no. what a what an exclusive. <laughs> no, there was no crossover. There's no crossover. I waited till I was single. Um <laughs> But I learned that like, they really love to hoe. They don't really like to commit. And I kind of oh, do. Oh, that's their whole so, bit. Like cat calling, yeah. the whole thing. So I have been struggling with that a little bit of like, 
what my type is, but they're not long-term people to date a lot of the time. So, you know. I mean, is there three men out there probably that are deeply in love with you right now that are like, and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm moving slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I was kind of, I bet, I bet like everybody's like deeply in love with you that are dating you, but that's great. That's your adventure. It's going to be really exciting to watch. Um, uh, how, how do we support you from this point on? Cause I mean, your Instagram, huge following on there. I mean, are you even at a place where you are accepting? Like if I get married tomorrow, can I have you shoot my wedding? Like, how does this even, cause I was trying to find information to like book you and things like, how do we as an audience support you and your journey from this point on? Honestly, I, I feel so supported just by the people who follow me and, you know, watch my journey, who jump in my DMs and let me know that it means a lot to know that they're not alone, that there's someone else going through it. Um, For people who want to book me, there's a link in my bio where they can reach out to me via my website. And I don't take that many, as many clients as I used to, because it's a lot to juggle everything. Um, But yeah, still shoot weddings. Honestly, I just love connecting with people. And LA has been a great place to do that. There's been a lot of people who've slid in my DMs and invited me to gatherings that they have or their podcast. Well, let's let's be careful. Like, let's not be going yeah. to gatherings <laughs> willy nilly. Like we're still watching out for the Oriental Road. Yeah. Um, but no, I just feel like even people who've invited me on their podcast or um, who've interviewed me, like you've done, that to me is is one of the best ways to support someone who's just curious about life and. Um, if I can challenge anyone to just look at their own life a little bit more critically and be more curious about themselves and about others, then I think that any of the not so fun part of reality TV will have been worth it. I mean, you were just as awesome as I was hoping you would be. So thank you for all this time. But uh, now, but the true crime though, what's your favorite true crime stuff? Like, what are you, what are you fixated on? Like, is it podcasts? Is it books? Is it all of it? Like what, where do you get your true crime stuff? Not as many books. Um, I was recently watching. So like, I love docu-series about true crime. Oh, did you watch an American nightmare on Netflix? Literally just going to say gone girl. Literally just watched oh. that the other night about the American. I, had, Oh, you got to read that book too. The, the gone girl book, Gillian Flynn. I didn't know that was a book. It was a book before it was a movie. And then American nightmare, they were talking about the movie with Ben Affleck, but it's, it was based on an amazing book by Gillian Flynn. Let me write this down. Yes, please. You're going to you're going to flip out. The book is even better than the movie, and the movie's great. Um, yeah, I just watched that the other night. That's the kind of thing I like watching on Netflix. I stay up till like four a.m. for no reason. Just yeah, because you can't put it down. Like I was in that story too, where I was like, "Oh, I I can't finish it." Episode two, I got to do three. And I fall for their guiles. Like literally on episode two, I was like, "All right, she's lying." Definitely. Yep. And, and the I first episode, I was like, "The guy did it. The guy's a part of it. He got his girlfriend kidnapped." I get to the very end and I'm like, I was played. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So dog, you love dog, series like the rest of us. And then uh, the rest of the week, what are you doing? Are you going to go party with your sister? Like what, what, what do you go through your week doing? Do you like, are you a big exercise junkie? Like what's the, what's the week have in store for you? All of it. I got a fun shoot tomorrow with a magazine, um, which I'm super. But you're excited. the model for, or you're shooting yeah. for the magazine. Nope. Oh, Wow. On the other side of the camera for tomorrow, um, I've got another interview this week. I definitely work out quite a bunch, going snowboarding this weekend, have a wedding to get out the door. It's a, it's a hodgepodge. My life is a hodgepodge, hodgepodge. Now and I love it. A little bit of everything. Well, you are an inspiration to all of us. Uh, Olivia Marie Plath, thank you so much for being here. I hope you'll come back at another time because I want to follow your journey and and fill in the blanks that the show doesn't uh, let us know. So thank you for all of this time. You are amazing. And hopefully I'll talk to you again someday. 
Thank you, Ryan. I, I'll be talking to you then. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Batches.